petition here signed by 743 people against Norman Bates' release. Madam, please sit down. This matter is being represented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal well, maniac? I'm you to sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here, and you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And today is our Halloween special. Like the last two times we've done it, we decided to watch a couple of, well this time three, Halloween movies that are similarly themed in the same series. This time we decided to take a look at the Psycho series. Yeah, though in this case I'm the only one that watched Psycho last night and then sat down today and watched... Psycho 2, Psycho 3, Psycho 4, the beginning. So today I watched four hours and 55 minutes <laughs> of Psycho with a, with an hour and like 40-something minutes last night. Well, the reason we skipped the first one is because it's not really the style of the movies we watched in this one. And everybody's already seen that movie and already knows everything about it. So there's really not much to talk last about. Last night was my first viewing of it. But it was the first time he saw it, so there's that. And in case anybody doesn't know, Psycho is about a... A woman who runs away to a motel gets killed. They find out her killer turns out to be a, the guy who runs the place, Norman Bates, dressed as his mother. He has a multiple yeah. personality disorder in which he thinks he's his mother who he had killed in mm -hmm. the past. Um, so let's start off logically with Psycho okay. for the beginning. Because it says the beginning in it. Yeah, I kid, I kid. Let's start off yep. with Psycho 2. Start off with 2, all right. So, directed by Richard Franklin, mm -hmm. who was actually a student of Hitchcock's. Yeah. So, that's why they uh, chosen to do it. Uh, and written by Tom Holland. Mm -hmm. uh, starring Anthony Perkins, who originated the role of uh, Norman Bates. Bates in the original uh, Psycho film. Yeah. Vera yeah. Miles, who also returns from the original Psycho film. and yeah. In which she had played the younger sister of Janet Lee's character, Marion Crane. Mm -hmm. Meg Tilly... And most importantly, Robert Loja. Yes, Randy's favorite, Robert Loja. Oh, and never forget, Dennis Franz. <laughs> Dennis Franz. Yep, so this movie is, well, what would you say? Was, you said it was 1980. Okay, so this movie was released on June 3rd, 1983. Yeah. And grossed $34.7 at the box office. Mm -hmm. And had a budget of five. So as you can tell, people were looking forward to this one and they went and saw it. This movie takes place, uh, as you'd expect, several years, decades after Norman. No, it's only a couple of decades. Several implies that it's more than uh, four. So literally 22 years. Oh, how about we just read the damn tagline of the film, J.D.? <laughs> Psycho 2, it's 22 years later and Norman Bates is coming home. Yeah, that's pretty much the plot of the movie. Norman Bates got out of uh, psychiatric care and is allowed to return home, to which he does. But not everybody is happy about that. Specifically, the sister of Marion Crane uh, from the original movie is not mm -hmm. happy that it's being released. Yeah. And spoilers proceeds to gaslight him to try to drive him insane. Yeah, the entire movie is about Norman Bates trying to readjust to his life again while... Basically, everything is plotting against him to send him back the way he was originally. And not just, as he just said, uh, Lila Rose from the uh, the original movie. As several other people, including, well, if, if you want to uh, spoil the ending of the first of this movie already. or No, it's so literally uh, her... Marion's crane is the is the victim of the first movie. So we get Lila Crane, who's actually Lila Loomis, yeah. having married Marion's ex uh, former boyfriend, and mm -hmm. the daughter of them. Mm -hmm. um, I keep calling her Meg Tilly, but I want to actually say her name. Marion, Mary. Sorry, Mary, mm -hmm. named for the named for the uh, the aunt Marion. Yep. And like I said, they gaslight him to try to drive him insane, but mm -hmm. something 
something is rotten in uh, the town in which this takes place that I've never actually caught. <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't think they ever say the the, uh, the name of the town, actually. Yeah, what happens is, like you said, he comes back home and things start getting strange. People start dying around him at the same time he's getting strange calls and notes. And it's almost like his mother has returned. But of course, that's not possible. Yeah, because as we know from the first movie, she died. And she was a corpse at the time. And they buried her. And even at one point, his psychiatrist comes and shows him the corpse is still underground. She's still dead, Norman. She's still dead. She's still dead. And I guess now is the time to describe what exactly happened. I'll leave that to you. Well, okay. It turns out, as we just said, that they were trying, two of them were trying to mess with him to try to drive him crazy. But at the same time, Norman's mother's sister, who, depending on which continuity you're to believe, because this is my big spoiler for all you people, all these movies kind of take place in the same continuity, but not really. Because mm-hmm. they like to disregard previous things. Yeah. So we find out that Norman Bates' mother, Norma, from the original movie, the one of which he took the persona of mm-hmm. mother, who yeah. had a sister named Emily, and his, and Emily was nuts. Yes. And was put in a psychiatric institution after she murdered somebody, specifically Norman's father. And she turns out to be one of the townspeople. Who uh, vouched for him, saying, yes, she... I'll watch over him if he comes work at this diner I work at, along mm-hmm. with my boss. Yeah, and what ends up happening is, well, we find out that his mother has been killing his people. His biological mother has been killing and people. And she actually has been killing people. It's it's her who is doing the killing. And due to the uh, plot of them trying to drive uh, Norman crazy, it winds up that ends up being that Mary... Um, at the end is driven mad and basically killed and all, everything is pinned on her all the murders are pinned on her exonerating mm-hmm. norman the thing is is that throughout the movie mary becomes sympathetic to norman mm-hmm. and becomes his friend there's nothing i'm not reading anything sexual into it. it's more like a, a mm-hmm. parental but even mm-hmm. she, even though she does become kind of like his yeah. mother in ways but even end up dressing like her by she, the end she even she even starts to forgive him for the actions he took because mm-hmm. that's all he really wants is forgiveness. And he, he's trying to be, live a good life. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the movie, everything goes sideways because of the uh, actions of... Well, basically, the actions of everybody around Norman ends up how everything ends up by the end. Causing and, him to go mad. Yeah, and he, he goes mad and he... What's her name? Um, The Emily, old lady. Emily, Emily Schools, yeah. She shows up at his at his place. And, and he's waiting for her. He's knowing that she's coming. Yeah. And she admits to him that she's his real mother and that she wants him as her son. And what Norman does for his reward is he kills her. He kills her. He stuffs her and he mounts her on a rocking chair in the mm-hmm. attic like he had done to his mother, Norma. Yeah. And she takes on the persona in his head of his original mother, yeah, and, that, and yes, that ends up basically being uh, a bookend where he ends up more or less where he started at the end at the beginning of the first movie, it's like the original Psycho. So, <clears throat> I guess that mm-hmm. kind of includes some of our general impressions there. Anything else you want to say before we get to the meat and potatoes here? Um, not really. It was kind of edge of the seat. Really, it was going back and forth a lot, trying to figure out what exactly was going on. Let's lead off with. Mm-hmm. I want to say let's lead off with the bad and then we'll head out with the good on this one. Okay. So what I didn't like of the movie is the basically the character assassination they did to uh, Marion Crane's sister in this film. It's like I understand it's like it, it, there is a logic to it, but it just felt she went too it, over it, the top. She, she went cartoonish, villainish. Like you know what I mean? It's like it's like she, it's like it's, she went. Uh, she had dementia or something. She really went over the edge. Yeah, she went crazy. That's basically like I said. Being in the film, he's released because he's proven himself to be um, not a harm to himself or to anyone in society, as long as nobody drives him crazy. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Um, and of course, she takes this wrong because she feels that justice was not served because of his mental illness. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, I, I guess it just felt like it went too far in some ways for her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like the daughter was a little bit more sympathetic because it was just like okay I'm, I'm doing it for my mother it's supposed to be a parallel to Norman mm-hmm. that he does with the things for his mother yeah the two of their relationship is a parallel to him and his mother and, and like I said it just does a disservice to the character that was from mm-hmm. the previous movie and mm-hmm. then that leads me into another little thing I have with this film comparing it to the first one keeping in mind that I watch what some people consider to be Hitchcock's best film, mm-hmm. though hot take, I like Vertigo and uh, North by Nor- Northwest more. Most people do. Um, and they, where was I going with this? What was I saying beforehand? I was talking about the the daughter, and then I said that the. Uh... You said you had another little thing with the movie. And oh yes, compared to the so first the one. first movie, it's like it was it pushed the envelope and it did it's like it did a lot by not showing a lot violence wise mm-hmm. so every time this movie which was shot very much in the style of hitchcock as and... i said his his trained he was trained by him ends up being more gratuitous more gory than be- you're expecting because it, to be. it was made in the 1980s and i think the movie would have been a lot better if it did a lot less uh it did a lot more telling and not showing in that aspect i have to say my least favorite aspect of the movie is the violence it's t- i'm talking to someone who doesn't really get that squeamish around violence in movies but this movie it didn't really jar right it didn't feel, it didn't feel appropriate to the, the it, thing. no it's like the, or the stylization of the violence well every single kill had some little what do, what do, what do i want to use sort of like a garnish to make it just a little bit more disturbing dennis franz he gets his face lashed open and then stabbed and then stabbed <laughs> um yeah Lila gets uh, stabbed through the mouth. Spoilers get stabs right through the throat. Yeah, right in the back of her head. And then the psychiatrist falls off the stairs. He's already stabbed. Onto a knife. Onto his... The knife... Yeah, he has the knife, knife wound. The oh, knife's yes, still in there. And the psychiatrist... Do- like, the one good guy in the film. He falls over the side and lands on the banister with the knife handle, shoving it deeper in. It's too... The one good guy dies by accident. Yeah. And, and and then even by the end, uh, kind of the Mary s- gets done dirty by by yeah. losing her mind. It's kind of oh. it's kind of like symbolic of everything just sort of unwinds at the end. And the psychiatrist, the only guy who's really trying to help everybody, is the one who just basically symbolizes everything going to hell at the end. But yeah, the violence is a bit too much for this type of movie. It was it was good enough without it because it was very psychological, going back and forth, figuring everything out, what's going on. And then you get to the kills and it's just too over the top. It's like we're not watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. We're watching a film that's claiming to be a sequel to a classic Hitchcock film. And it feels like it for a lot of the movie. They do a good job getting the feel right. But once the violence comes in, it just... Yeah, it just feels gratuitous. You don't need to do this. I I think they could have been a lot more clever with it. Yeah, probably. But I'll I'll go on to my my good point for the film. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked uh, Anthony Perkins. Mm-hmm. I liked Mick Tilly. Yeah. Their, their acting, their performance was really good. I enjoyed the direction, especially once I, like I said, I, I was sitting there, I'm like, okay, some of this looks very Hitchcockian. It looks it looks like they're, they're trying to do an homage. It's not the best sort of homage, but still it was good. And then you realize, oh, he, he learned under Hitchcock, like literally worked with him. Yeah. He learned his craft from him. Feels and, he, like, and the direction, it was solid throughout. It uh, it does justice to the visu- visual fidelity of the original without actually being black and white and directed by Hitchcock. Basically, as good as you could probably get it at the time. I don't think anybody probably could have nailed the look as good. And uh, yeah, I would say I like I liked the direction. I liked how tight it was. I liked how the cuts were made. I liked how they lingered on the right things. Like I said, I wasn't a fan of the violence, but outside of that, I thought they did a really good job with what they uh, what they had with this movie. I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised with it as uh, I never saw the second one before. I've only ever seen the original. I oh no! In the last forty-eight hours, I've seen all the Psycho films. <laughs> well, yeah, you just admitted that basically for the first time. Yeah. So, what would you give the the second Psycho movie? I'll give it a three. It's, it's a fine movie. I think mm-hmm. it's like should be at least watched. It's it's a, it's a good one. Uh, one of the trivia bits I had found was that this is one of uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite Psycho movies, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Okay, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But there's not really much to choose from. It's either you choose Psycho or Psycho 2. Spoilers. Yeah, well, um, yeah. I think I'll go with a 4 on this one. Because I was really invested in it. I didn't... wasn't a fan of the violence. And uh, I thought the ending was a little bit too... Uh, 
I don't know, of a downer considering everything that happened. But uh, it was still worked as a piece. It's I'm trying to compare it to like the Death Wish movies. You know where the Death Wish movies were? Okay, this first movie is, this is the plot. Second movie, it's like, okay, this is the plot again? And then the third movie, okay, how many times is this guy's daughter going to get well, raped? Well, at least in the second this, one. In this case, though, what I'm, no, I was actually saying something good on this one, mm-hmm. is that between the first and second movie is that it evokes enough of the original while being more original than most sequels get to be. And, and of course, the 22-year difference between the two. I'd also want to add that they managed to do that while actually having to copy any of the shots from the original. They just blatantly outright started the movie with uh, the uh, Marion Crane, Janet, the infamous Janet Lee shower scene mm-hmm. from the, uh, the original film. Because it's kind of central to Archival the... Archival footage, yes. It's kind of central to the plot that follows, but I like that they didn't have to reuse same shots because that's one of the problems with the third one. <laughs> and, and we might as well get to the third one at this point because we already said everything on the second one. Yeah, there's not really a lot of trivia that I can really include on it. I had mm-hmm. looked up some stuff from on on our usual place, uh, IMDb. The only big ones that really stand out are, like I said, his the director Richard Franklin learned under uh, Hitchcock. Uh, apparently, Meg Tilly, uh, her household, they didn't have television stuff like that, so she never saw Psycho. Mm-hmm. And while Finley's like, I don't understand why Tony's getting all this <laughs> attention for doing this film, not realizing that he's reprising the same role from 22 years ago <laughs> from a classic film, and that made Anthony Perkins pissy with her for the rest of the thing not wanting to talk to her and apparently this is Meg Tilly's least famous uh, favorite filming experience they both did a good job at it too so it doesn't even show and uh other little things that had come in uh, that had popped up is just simply uh mm-hmm. uh, yeah I already talked about uh Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. this movie took 32 days to film hmm. literally only ter- 32 days to film and yeah nothing really like major here uh to really go in further into no it was just uh, other than this important thing the final scene we were talking about with mrs spool coming over to the house yeah the shooting script for the uh, cast and crew included everything until the until that last scene and uh only on the final day of shooting on the last day when they were going to film that final scene where was anybody given a script so it was to surprise them. So Anthony Perkins just went in there and he did his best on it. It was a good. It was probably a good idea. Help keep the performances authentic, considering throughout the movie you have absolutely no idea what what could possibly be happening until the very very end, which is a good twist for a thriller like this. Which it, actually it is more of a thriller than a horror movie. Yeah, because if the first one is more of a noir uh, film before it starts to become psychological. Uh, like a whodunit it's like horror type of thing mm-hmm. this one yeah is more straight up a thriller because mm-hmm. your protagonist is is already a broken man who's trying to put himself on the straight and narrow after murdering multiple people mm-hmm. um, years ago and yeah so yeah. that's what happens with him he's able to get back but, let's listen again so now let's move on then, to that moves into psycho, psycho 3 mm-hmm. which takes place literally one month after the plot of this movie, which you wouldn't be able to no, tell there's watching this film. There's absolutely no way that that so, follows. So, released in mm-hmm. 1986. Yep. I'm stalling for time because like I accidentally stall, uh, closed my tab. It feels like a 1986 movie. 1986. Directed by one Anthony Perkins. Yep. Written by Charles Edward Pogue. Mm-hmm. Starring Anthony Perkins. Diana Scarwood, Jeff Fahey, and Roberta Maxwell. Okay. This movie... Cost. Oh, yeah. You want me to say the price <laughs> on this one? So it grossed $14.4 million at the box office, mm-hmm. and it was a uh, financial failure. And it was the lowest grossing film in the series, and that even includes Psycho for the Beginning, which is a TV movie. That says something, then. <laughs> so once again, J.D., I'll let you explain the plot, quote-unquote, of this movie. This is the most convoluted plot to describe in the series because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. As Randy just said, it's supposed to take place a month after the second movie, but it can't because everything looks much more dilapidated in the second movie. So, do you want me just to make it easier for you before we go into major plot details and just read you the Wikipedia short synopsis of this film? Might as well. Okay. A suicidal nun... Mm-hmm. Oh wait, sorry. Let's just go back. 
further. Norman Bates is still running the Bates Motel with the corpse of Emma Spool still sitting up in the house, taking place as of mother. A suicidal nun with whom Norman falls in love with comes to the motel along with a drifter named Dwayne Duke and a reporter who is trying to solve the mysterious disappearance of Mrs. Poole. There's not a false thing in that thi- in that s- description, but it doesn't really describe what's going on in this movie. The movie itself doesn't really describe what's going on. So in this if situation. the original was a noir whodunit thriller mm-hmm. type thing, and the second was a straight thriller with minor horror to it, mm. this one is them trying to do a straight slasher film in this film. Mm-hmm. With some weird attempts at psychological stuff that don't really make a whole lot of sense, but... This is where there's uh, some interesting trivia, but with that, definitely will stay until the end. Yeah, so what happens is this this nun, the suicidal nun, escapes. She finds a drifter. They both somehow end up at the Bates Motel, and both of them... Dwayne, starts to, Dwayne Duke, the drifter, starts working for uh, Norman Bates, and Dwayne mm-hmm. is played by... Uh, what's his name? Jim James... Jeff Faye, mm-hmm. which was a very familiar looking actor until I realized that I recognized him from Lost. Yeah. Um, and the other actresses, I don't recognize any of them. She's a, she also, she ends up being, well, she ends up trying to kill herself because she's suicidal and Norman saves her life. And At, he was coming to kill her. He was coming to kill her. Because the thing we keep burying and they, they should have put in that description was the name of this nun is Maureen coils mm-hmm. her suitcase says mc she uh, um kind of looks like janet lee mm-hmm. a young janet lee yep and that caught that triggers his fixation and he falls in love with her because of what happened yeah and as the movie goes along they strike up a relationship somehow while in the background there's a psychologist and no, not a psychologist, a reporter. Who's trying to get with uh, the drifter to try to find some dirt on Norman. That's pretty much the For story. the ratings! At the same time, people are dying. There's no mystery in this one as to who's doing the killing. It's pretty blatant because right at the beginning of the film, he's killing birds with poison. Yeah, it's, it's Norman this time. No, it's never been Norman, JD, except for a couple of them. It's Mother, the other persona inside his head that's been doing all the killing. Don't you remember? Mother? Yeah, this movie has kind of a, a more grimy feel than the other movies. Yeah, do. everything looks dilapidated. Our first shot of the Bates Motel is uh, there's a tumbleweed. It doesn't look Hitchcocky in like the, the first The video. paint job, like, like literally in the second film, he's painting the place to look better. He's cleaning it up. But in a month time, that paint job is gone. It's all, back to being all run down. And there's all kinds of overgrowth everywhere. That wasn't there in the second movie either. Also, he's kind of more uh, disturbed in this movie. Yeah, this one here is we're seeing Norman as full crazy. Like, like you've seen that his head is break, and that's what most of the movie is. And him falling in love with Maureen is him once again trying to get back. Mm-hmm. He's, Huh, I, how, how unexpected, J.D. He falls in, in love with a, a nun on the run and is looking for basically forgiveness and redemption. Go uh, figure. Well, she at the same time is looking for forgiveness and redemption from her suicide attempts and the feeling she has. That would almost be good if they didn't actually tell you that several times in the movie with blatant explanation and visual metaphor. I mean, it's very blatant in this one. There's subtlety in the first two movies. There isn't any in this one this at is, all. Uh, that's honestly the only plot that was even... Not relatable, but followable and interesting. Which one? The, the the love story that was going on between... And that's love story in air quotes. Yes, because it kind of... And don't of... forget the priest with the worst deliveries uh, <laughs> in the, the movie. Yeah, and then... Well, there's one part, too, is the whole... Uh, the Duke, who is the drifter. I call him the Duke because that's everybody where he calls him. He's his yeah, he goes, my friends call him the Duke. I like the character because his characterization is not consistent at all, other than and he just, his, other than his incredibly scummy. Other than he's, well, he's not even he's not even like scummy in any specific way. He just randomly is in certain ways. Let, like, let me paint a picture for you. Like now, he, he wants money, but he won't steal from the box or anything like that. Yeah. It's, so let's paint you a picture for you right now. Mm-hmm. So for this is going to date us very much again. <laughs> But he looks like he was the inspiration for a somehow less scummier version in Bi- of, of Billy in The Stranger Things Seasons 2 and 3. 
that's like, kind of what it looks like, yeah. Yeah. The only difference is, is that, like I said, the Duke looks really scummy, really dirty, and he's really less of a rat jerk. like. Oh no, he's either less of a jerk or more of a jerk, or his characterization's all over the place. He does. He, he's going to look at the castor and think about stealing, but then spoiler at the end of the movie, he near the end of the movie, he kidnaps dead mother and tries to extort money out of uh, Norman. But no, but even though he knows he doesn't have any money, but because that's the first thing he learns when he meets him. That might be because he's drunk and on drugs and a bunch of other things all at once. For some reason. Well, no, we knew he, he did that because he, he tries to rape the nun earlier on in the movie, basically. Yeah, but then he doesn't show any attraction to her at all after that. And then he gets that other hooker and then he just, like, lets her go and... Uh... Um, it wasn't a hooker. It was a one-night stand. He only gave her money for a taxi because he's a much of a scumbag. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of random the way right, his motivations for doing anything. And the movie is, like I said, just a slasher. It's like, oh, hey, this couple had sex. How oh, we're killing them, killing this lady, this girl. Mm. Oh, this this girl, the only one that's not being uh, doing any debauchery and who's sober. And oh, she's just looking for a place to to pee. Oh, she's dead. With a tweak, it could have been a Halloween sequel for crying out loud. There's just really nothing in this movie that screams. That screams, screams other than psycho. having Anthony Perkins in the film. Other than him being in it, it doesn't feel like a psycho movie at all. There's attempts to try to to do weird things, but it doesn't feel Hitchcockian like the first two two do. The second one, I at least tried. This one doesn't feel like it at all. And this movie here, well, let's go into our let's once again lead off with the bad. Mm -hmm. This movie here, other than the plot just being like incomprehensible garbage in some places, mm -hmm. um, it's the same issue as the number two. If the number two was, I said, it was gratuitous in the violence, it was gratuitous in the everything. nudity and the violence. It's gratuitous in everything. And like I said, it just, it did, and it, everything looks grimy. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, it's this one here is so disconnected from Psycho in every way. Because at least the yeah. second one, I go, no, this is a proper sequel to. This is a sequel to it. It's like I see it. It works. This one doesn't work as a sequel. No. It just kind of spins its wheels, and then it. This one, it is the big reveal about. Remember Emma Spools, the yep. one that he killed and is now in his house, uh, stuffed and mounted on a rocking chair? Basically. Who's, who's taken on the persona of mother. Basically the entire plot of the second movie. The, the reporter who's trying to dig up dirt and make the nun run away from him, uh, as well as get her big bucks for her story, mm -hmm. is able to find out that Emma was not just a killer. She killed his father and kidnapped him thinking that he was her son. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to be the son that they should have had, not the son that her sister had. Her sister, who suffers from a narcissistic borderline personality disorder and schizophrenia, mind you. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it negates the point of the second movie. So so it try, so it's, it's like, at least at that point, it's kind of like, okay, this is a, a late third movie twist. Like, oh, no, it's not, as it seems. That's fine. That was good. But mm -hmm. Like I said, everything about this movie is just gratuitous. It's not... Uh, yeah. It was scummy. Yeah, that's my biggest issue with this movie is watching the movie. It it just doesn't. It feels and disturbing watching. The it's movie. boring. Yeah, it feels like you're watching something like grimy and boring and sluggish, and it's just it's not fun to even watch this movie. It's just kind of a, a drag, really. And that's probably my lowest point. point so of my movie. high point for the film. Mm -hmm. This was a very well directed film. Mm -hmm. Um. Anthony Perkins, this was his directorial debut, and he was what I would like to call a consistent, competent director throughout the film. He did a really good job with what he had, mm -hmm. even the shots that were specifically done to evoke, to reference the pre, the, the original Psycho film. Mm -hmm. Like, all that was great. Anthony Perkins' performance was great. Mm -hmm. Notice I'm not calling out any of the other actors' performances, because acting, what's that? There isn't really much acting in this movie, to be quite honest. No, no, there, there's acting in this movie, not acting. Um, yeah, so the direction is very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a good direction directing job. The problem is that the first movie is Hitchcock, and the second movie is almost Hitchcock, so this movie is going to suffer in comparison to that. Never mind it being literally his first directing job, so it kind of pales in comparison to the first two, the way and they look. Fun fact... Mm -hmm. Ebert gave this a thumb up. Yeah. And Siskel gave it a thumbs down. This is one of the few times where I agree with... Well, I guess I'm going to my reviews here. A few times I agree with Siskel 
over mm-hmm. Ebert, and I yeah. give this movie a thumbs down. This movie is like a. I'm going to give it a two. No, I can't. Not, not in the way I've been grading recently. I have to give this movie a one because of how boring it was and how disinterested I was in the film. Well, I Based on my on most recent, uh, this season on how I've been gauging, it's like this movie's a one. It's not a, eh. it's, it's like, it's not a curiosity worth seeing. It's 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 a bad movie through and through. I think Don't check it out. I think you're interested in seeing some really weird imagery that's it, worth seeing the movie but if you're looking for a psycho sequel or a movie that looks like psycho this ain't it it's not really a psycho movie at all i give it a, a two this one don't recommend this one and uh it's kind of a downer after the second one to be quite honest especially with an ending that kind of undid a lot of the point of the second movie which is probably why the fourth one is the way it is but uh I don't know if you want to get to that one yet. Not yet. Let me read the important uh, pieces of uh, trivia for this one here. Mm-hmm. So, well, I already said that. It's like he's he directed the film. Anthony Perkins is his directorial debut, and that it only takes place one month after it. Mm-hmm. But this is the big one. This is the big thing that would honestly have made it better. Yeah. So, I'm reading this directly from IMDb. This is under spoilers, people. So, once again, this is spoilers. Okay. In issue 57 of Fangoria Magazine, Screenwriter Charles Edward Pogue revealed the plot of his original script. In this version, it was Dwayne who was the killer and had intentionally come to the Bates Motel because he was obsessed with Norman. Maureen was a neurotic psychologist who had come to the motel to replace Dr. Raymond from the previous film with the intention of casting the original victim, Janet Lee, in the role. Mm -hmm. Universal rejected these ideas, arguing that Bates had to be the killer and Lee was wrong for the film. However, Maureen's actions remained virtually unchanged with her character... Well, sorry, her character was merely changed to a young nun. That's just bizarre. So, I honestly think that that sounded like a more coherent plot, and I don't understand why Universal's things like, no, he has to be the killer. Especially considering he wasn't the killer in the second movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's like he killed one person in the second movie. It's like this could have been him trying to come back from that edge again. Because in, in, in the second movie, it's almost like he killed her as... Well, sec- and it acted almost as a punishment for the death. The second movie might have been a justified killing, considering she did kill a bunch of people and uh, she wasn't getting caught. And he was it. also being, and he was also driven mad by the other two. Mm-hmm. So this movie, it's just like I'm killing people because this is what my mother tells me to do. Mother's mother has returned. Mm-hmm. But yeah. just the idea that okay, so Dwayne that that works out better. I like the idea of, of specifically of the casting of Janet Lee in the role ma- mm-hmm. made more sense to have it evoke like the, the reason that his falling in love with her is because of how much she resembles an older Marion Crane. It probably would have been a more interesting movie because instead of this, this movie just really didn't have anything going for it. It's just kind of things happening. And then there's the ending and he ends up at the end. Oh, and, and, Mary, back. and, and Maureen coils, the nun dies by accident, by falling down the stairs and hitting her head. Yeah. It was kind of a, okay, I'm going to be straightforward with you. That was, that was bad because at that, at that, completely negated the point of her character like oh she's dead oh so now he goes back to being normal again what's the point and then this these oh we the forgot the stinger we forgot the stinger then the reporter comes back and basically explains oh uh, you were wrong he's that's not your mother and then of course he he snaps and he, he snaps. kills her and he's free and his last line is like i'm after he stabs the stuffed body of emma spools his fake mother yeah and he gets arrested for all the murders because why don't they just like drag the lake, the drag the swamp once a week in this town? Yeah, might as well. Um, he gets arrested, and they said he tells the cops, "I'm free." But as they're driving away, he mis- he he pulls out a hand they somehow didn't catch that's mother's, and then in an homage to the final shot of the first film, he stares into the camera as as his head starts to lower and the mother persona starts to come on with a smile and everything. So they truly show that he is not free. Which makes literally no sense. It does not follow from what literally just occurred. He knows that's not his mother. He even admitted it as such. That's why he killed her. It's like, I'm honestly surprised that by the point of the third movie here, it wasn't just that he was literally possessed by the ghost of his mother. That would have been more interesting. That's literally what I thought was going to happen when he said, oh, these movies get weird. And it's like, no, these movies just get bad. With that said, let's move on to Mm -hmm. Psycho 4, The Beginning, Mm -hmm. in which our hero retcons the previous two (laughs) films out of existence and does the equivalent of... Halloween 2018 to Halloween 2. Literally just saying, this is what happened after... The previous two films did not happen. Just... I just got, I got released and I fell in love with my psychologist. There's really nowhere to go after the third movie, so I, I don't really blame him for that. 
But what the, the plot to this movie is not like the third one or the second one. It's uh, it's the, it's it's Norman Bates, the origin story. For part of it, he's uh, he calls into a radio show because they're talking about kids who killed their mothers, specifically boys. And he's been listening, so he calls in and tries to relate his own story. Because why... he's having a moral quandary. Yeah, and what ends up happening is we learn more about his past and how he grew up. His first kill, and, and we get more idea of how his mother was. Yeah, and, Fruit Loops. <laughs> and we get it. Your mother was hot. We understand. Okay. Jeez, why are you frolicking on the floor? Yeah. And then she, of course, gets mad at him for whenever stuff like that happens, considering he's a teenage boy who doesn't really understand anything. It's like like I said before, she has she's mm-hmm. a narcissist and she suffers from borderline personality disorder and she's schizophrenic, as mm-hmm. as we were constantly told that these are what's wrong with her. Yep, and and she, and there's this constant game, uh, some dob sub dom game going on between them, seemingly where she gets him aroused, gets mad at him, beats him, makes him dress like a girl, and then basically sends him out to kill and whatever aroused him. Yeah, it's it's obviously she has control over him, and that's why he does everything he does. And what ends up happening in this movie is he has to emphasize several times she doesn't have any control over him anymore. She's and no, I, and, and then of course the, the best part of the film was him going, no, I'm not going to indulge in your incest fantasies or something along those lines. And then immediately gets an erection after his mother, uh, after he puts oils all over his mother's long legs. And then she tickles him and they roll and frolic well, on the floor. And then he gets an erection. Well, he's supposed to be going through puberty. He's not supposed to understand this sort of stuff. And his mother just like, what? Meanwhile, they're both very naked as they're doing so. And well, they're very close to face to face. Well, that's what I'm talking about. He doesn't understand this sort of thing. And instead of clarifying it for him, she literally throws a dress on him and puts him in a closet. Punches him in in the crotch and beats him and shoves him in the closet. Yeah, yeah it gets it gets crazy. And so, you understand how he broke and what, what's causing him. So the reason he's calling be, besides just talking about this sort of thing is because he's now has a life of his own, as we are shown several times. He has... Neighbors who knows who he who know who he is. He's he's but has he's cured a, now. He has a wife, and he married the one of the psychiatrists, psychologists mm-hmm. that took care of him at the at the uh, psychiatric institute. Yeah, and he's got he's uh, much older now. He's was it? He's cooking now, even if it's his birthday. Yeah, because he, it's like as as one thing we didn't bring up is that throughout the other movies, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why I put those in air quotes when I said <laughs> movies. When this is the made for TV movie. Um, <laughs> Is that he does not like to touch cutlery, well, mostly because he had spent so much time in an institution where they wouldn't let him, mm-hmm. and also because a big butcher knife kind of is his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's to see him not be broken and him cutting up, and the re- and there's a reason for why he's calling in and mm-hmm. why he's having this moral quandary, and he's saying I'm gonna have to, there's, I might have to kill one more time, mm-hmm. and I kept yelling at JD, I'm like he's talking about killing himself on his birthday. There's, that's why he's doing it. He doesn't. He wants to make sure he never has a child, so he's going to kill himself on his birthday. And Randy was half right about that one. The reason why he was so distraught is because behind his back, his wife got pregnant with his kid. They didn't. He didn't want to have kids. He got married specifically, said, we're not having kids. I don't want to have kids. I don't think I can love but them. I, want... I don't want my seed spread. I want to be left alone. We basically. had promised this was the end of the 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 of my line. Mm-hmm. That that my 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 uh, cursed seed would not go for he, for. He doesn't want this sort of thing to ever happen again. And when he finds out that she basically lied to him, he takes her to the old, um, the old Bates house, which is falling apart now, the way it probably should be after so many years. And he confronts her about it, and he has. Uh, a decision to make whether he wants to be who his mother made him more or less or be free of her and that's that's pretty much the climax of the film so the climax the of the film is that he tries to kill his wife mm-hmm. before he burns down the house and then she accepts him back into her life because she loves him first off this psychologist psychiatrist 
is nuts. Um, <laughs> what she did to Norman was essentially rape and abuse of power by being his psychiatrist and marrying him afterwards. It's like, I know what happens. I don't think she was specifically um, his. She was in the facility with him. No, they talked about the first couple of sessions they had. So it's like, they, they talk mm-hmm. about that. And like I said, it's like, it's essentially rape. It's like, he, she said, they promised that it's like, okay, we'll never have a child. And then she went off the pill and didn't tell him mm-hmm. on purpose. Because, oh, we had a discussion, but I'm going to have his child. And then, like I said, he tries to kill her. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mean like threatens to kill her. He tries to murder her. He chases after her with a giant knife. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, after he burns down the house, because the only way is he comes back to himself and says, no, I'm free. And she goes, I love you. Don't worry about it. There's, it's all good. There's nothing going to happen out of this. Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. It's all fine. And he burns down the house. Mm-hmm. And then she hugs him and embraces him like, oh, you're all cured. No, he's not. He just tried to murder you. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to ever be cured. <laughs> yeah. Although I have to say this one does end on a more hopeful note than the other ones do. Because the very last shot is of the basement with his mother in there quote unquote and she's she's yelling for him to let him out but the door closes and locks and then her voice fades away in as the credits are about to roll and the the baby cries cries, which symbolizes obviously that she's gone and she's not coming back and now he has to move on with his oh no i have a darker reading of that well that's clearly not the reading they were intending but go ahead her voice stops she's not you start with death and you get life her voice stops she's being reborn as his son now that would have been a funny uh, movie to have. Well, as I told you before, <laughs> there were talks about doing a Psycho f- Five. I don't know why I was getting the words four and five mixed up. In which it would have been about his, the child of Norman Bates and Connie Bates. Boy, am I glad they didn't go through with that. In which he becomes a killer. Like I said, at this point, I think this this was enough. You can't really do anything else with it without it going. Okay, we get it already. He's not gonna. He's gonna keep devolving. It's a cursed line. Sh- we get it. We, we get it. We don't need to beat it into the thing. Don't need five television seasons to tell us this. We get it. <laughs> no, I like I said before this. I had never seen any psycho films. Mm-hmm. I had seen the first season of Bates Motel. Thought it was very well done. Mm-hmm. Thought it was a very well done drama. Very interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. But never got around to watching the rest of it. Yeah. And I intend to do that one day, but it just, that's the case is I thought they were very well done. Yeah. But as it is, uh, that's more or less the fourth movie. It's the last movie, even though it's called The Beginning. It's... There was two mo- like TV shows based on this. Yeah, they do that a lot. But it, this woman was the last one for Anthony Perkins. It kind of, like I said, bookends it. They Gee, you see the beginning of I the wonder why. You see the end. Well, because he was diagnosed with uh, AIDS while he was doing this one. So he didn't... I don't think... How many years did he have after this one, you said? Uh, I think you you guessed about four years. One second. What year did I say this came out in? Um, What was it? I don't remember. I said it came out in 86. So, uh, no, that was per- the third movie. Oh, was it? Um, one third second. movie was 86. Sorry about this. I'm just a little bit off yes, right now. Uh, let's see. So, this movie came out in... Mm-hmm. Sorry. 1990. Oh. Well, there you go. And he passed away... In mm-hmm. uh, September of '92, because oh yeah, the thing we didn't we haven't mentioned it's like I don't even know where we are in this because we've been talking for over 40 minutes at this point, <laughs> and I had watched nearly five hours of Psycho today. Yeah, is that at, during the filming at, he went to go to for like his major complete for uh, for his health, like his checkup, and it was discovered that Anthony Perkins had AIDS. Yeah, so he finished doing this film, and then two years later he died. Yeah, this was I think this is the last thing he did. No, he had two movies that were released posthumously. Hmm. Well, it was the last thing he did while he was alive, anyway. And, it, and just just because I said that, the last, uh, sorry, the last three, no, there's only one movie released posthumously. He did A Demon in My View. Mm-hmm. Uh, he In 91, He uh, The Naked Target, 92, it was released. And then in 92, In the Deep Wood, uh, was a posthumously released final film role mm-hmm. for television. Yeah. So more or less, this is his last big one, which is the also more or less the end of the psycho franchise until the remake spoiler we're not talking about the remake <laughs> we didn't watch okay, the remake and because we're jumping around all over the place with the beginning mm-hmm. let's let's move on to me telling you who was in this movie mm-hmm. did i already say who was in this movie no i didn't because i don't remember no. saying her name no so we have anthony perkins once again reprising the role of mormon bates yep. we have 
CCH Pounder playing the talk show host that's keeping him on the line as she talks him through his problems. Mm -hmm. You have, in the past, playing a young Norman Bates, Henry Thomas, who you might remember from such films as E.T. and Cloak and Dagger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Olivia Hussey. Husey? Husey. I don't think her name goes by the name Hussey. I don't think she would like that very much. Uh, who has appeared in a lot of films, is very well known when you see her, mm-hmm. uh, and most famously played uh, Juliet in Romeo and Juliet from 1968, Jess yeah. in the horror classic Black Christmas, Ooh. and um, I'm trying to find her most famous role here. Uh, she played the... I'm going to sing a song while I wait, because I don't know what I'm doing. This is going to stay on the tape. Yes, because I'm not editing this. Yeah, no, she played, most famously, the Virgin Mary on the 1977 TV miniseries Jesus of Nazareth. Well, there you go. In which she was younger than the lead actor. Hmm. Well, that says something. And, but she, she started a lot of horror movies, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. television, uh, small roles. She so, was on Murder, She Wrote. So there's not a whole lot of trivia with this one, then. Oh, there's, uh, there's not a lot of trivia on this one here, other than just the fact that it's what I had told you with the fact that the mm-hmm. there there was oh, whoops I'm looking at her trivia again oh my god I hate this um yeah there is a there is also a different plot to this movie that was in one of the original screenplays that I said that we have to talk about really briefly you I seem to have a lot one. of those with these movies yeah they they keep tra- changing it uh so the I liked this one a little bit more than the plot idea like what actually happened but would have been better as like Psycho 3 maybe Mm-hmm. Uh, so Anthony Perkins and, and screenwriter of Psycho 3 uh, Pogue originally pitched an idea for Psycho 4 That had Norman's house and motel Getting turned into a tourist attraction For horror weekends Norman then escapes from the mental institution With a mute patient And the actor who was set to play Norman Bates For the horror weekend quits And Norman comes home and gets hired to play himself Poe claims that it was meant to be a black comedy But Universal opposed the idea I think it would have turned into much of a farce, to be quite honest. A really dark horror farce. In it would have been an early um, scream. I, I think it would have been better if you would have just not had it be a psycho thing and just had it be like sort of a parody or something. It would have been a better idea. But having to be a psycho thing is just taking it a bit too far. And Steven Spielberg was mm-hmm. so impressed with this film... He wrote mm-hmm. Mick Garris, who is the director for this film, yeah. um, a letter of admiration. Mm. So Steve Spielberg wrote a letter of admiration to somebody who directed a TV movie. Yeah, just I don't know. It doesn't feel that much like a TV movie, probably because we've seen stuff on this program that look a lot more like TV movies. Oh boy, did we ever! ever. Uh, if anything, I think the movie at least looks better than this third movie did, which like is so grimy. Of all the Psycho movies, this one has the fewest knife deaths. It does. One. It has one. Then I think it's only the first one too. Yeah. Because you only really get to see his his first kill, and then you get to see him strangling someone to death three times, and then a strychnine poisoning, too, at the same time. Yeah, he kills uh, his mother's uh, boyfriend and herself at very slowly time. at the same time. Yeah, so really disturbing. So, now that we talked long and hard on all that stuff around the film and on the plot of the film, mm-hmm. uh, what are your general impressions? <laughs> we just talked like 20 minutes on that without general impressions. Well, we already just said general impressions. I like the, the conceit of the movie. I like that they try to do something different instead of just making Norman the killer again. Can I just say the conceit of the movie of him talking on a talk show, like a radio call-in show, is the most 90-ass TV movie I have ever heard about, had ever heard or seen? You're only saying that because of Eddie and the Cruisers, too. Ah, uh, yes, Eddie <laughs> and the Cruisers. Yeah. One day, one day, canon and non-canon, one day. Yeah, one day. But yeah, I like the general conceit. It works for the type of thing they're going for. And it, like I said, it's a better idea than the third movie, which doesn't even start with him. He just sort of pops in the, the thing like, what, 10, 15 minutes into it? Yeah, it takes a little little bit of a lead up to realize that this is a Psycho movie. Oh, wait, no, they say it right out of the gate. Psycho 4, the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. Which technically is the beginning and the ending. I would have hoped that Psycho 5, if they had made it, was The Revenge. <laughs> Every subtitle in the 80s is either The Revenge or The Beginning. And then, or the other. and then the sixth, Psycho 6, The Decimation. And then Psycho 7, The Heretic. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
as a general impression is they took a, a new approach with it and I kind of preferred this one to the third one because it kept it fresh. Well, that's because the third one was really bad and then like I said, this was this felt like in some ways it could have been a pilot for a television series for it just because it's like kind here of. are the young adventures of uh of Winnie the Pooh. I mean of uh <laughs> Norman, Norman Bates. Bates. I don't know why I keep forgetting. It's because I've watched like five hours of it today, mm-hmm. and in a row. Yeah, I guess I, could, I guess you could see it that way. And oh my god, JD, can we not do three movies next time? If we have a next time, please. We probably won't. Holy cow! I can't. I don't. It'll be Boogity and Bride of Boogity. I'm calling it now. That's our next Halloween special. But this one, as you can tell, I did not want to stop on Psycho Three for obvious reasons. Okay, so yeah, general impressions. Can see. I like the conceit. Hmm. So, once again, we lead out with the bad, and we'll head out with the good. Okay. The bad mm-hmm. is that the wife was a little too crazy for me. Yeah. And a little too forgiving for somebody who just tried to murder you, but, oh, wait, I basically raped him by not... Yeah. Tell- oh, I'm going like to say, really... the, the one thing about this movie, I would get in another She is incredibly over. unbelievable. Like, it's, it's like not believable. Like, if I was in charge of a movie, the one thing I would have given a real pass over again, like, when doing the script, was do something more with the wife, because it's kind of not that well thought out, and it could be yeah, better like, thought out. Yeah, like, honestly, he should have been leaving in handcuffs, because he just did try to murder his wife. Like, it would have been better if, instead of having him try to kill her, which kind of is really weird considering what they were doing if they would have just had like that in-depth conversation and so, and so, instead would it work better like, i think it would have been better that he he was he was contemplating suicide like they were having a conversation about like having he, a kid like he that, brought her there and he was gonna say instead instead he brought the knife to her and she's like oh no he's gonna attack would me it have so he worked, would have brought it to his own throat or something would it have been better if they mm. she wasn't pregnant but they were talking about having children but he he was mm. firmly against it and she really wanted a kid, and then the end of the movie is him bringing her there, to try having and, and trying to show and and to convince her and convince her. And how about having her here on the radio throughout mm-hmm. the day? Some yeah. of these things because this thing went took place like all day. Like this thing is just take place in the evening. This place from like sometime in the afternoon yeah. to like evening because it's bright outside and then it's not. And can, like, like would it have worked not. better that way if she had heard him talking about why he the type of childhood he'd led. And him going, I don't want to be be a parent. And that if instead of him trying to kill her, bringing her there to show him how bad it was. And then to threaten to kill himself so that his line would never end. Or you could have had her uh, listening to the radio show and hearing it and piecing it together that it's him. No, well, she knows because she worked with him. But uh, Well, that's what I mean. We would have changed that part of it a little bit. So it would have been more like, oh, okay. So that's why he doesn't want to talk about this sort of stuff. It's like that's why he doesn't want a kid. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. I didn't get all the story. That's what he believes. And yeah, it's like I said, if something more out of that instead of just like, oh, no, I'm just going to mm. shove this under the rug because <laughs> you're my husband. <laughs> yeah, she was she was easily the weakest part of the movie. Like, that really she was a non-being in the movie. She was a plot device. Yeah, like That could have been done a little better, I'm pretty sure. Like I said, I would have had less of a problem if it was literally an accident. Like there was a, oh, yeah. she, she forgot to take it one day, not purposely taking it, or there was an issue with the condom, or, yeah. you know, just like something happened and it was an accident, fine. Yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit much, I think. But yeah, so. But, but, but that also leads me to believe that she's not fully there in the head, because like I said, she's a psychiatrist, psychologist, mm. who's worked with him in the Institute. <laughs> yeah. Something about that feels unethical. Yeah, that's like I said, that should have been something that would have been passed over another couple of times just to fix that, but... Uh, that but is... made for TV movie. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. So with that aside, what did you like about it then? Um, what I did like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird to say this, but yeah. Olivia Husey really, really put on a performance there. Mm-hmm. She chewed the scenery in a delightful way. And like I said, I sat there a lot of times like, we get it, camera. We get it. She's hot. We understand his sexual <laughs> frustration. We get it. We understand we're on showtime here. Stop. Mm-hmm. It's like we get it. It's yeah, like, that's how she you, was a delight to watch. That's how you knew it was showtime. She was a delight. Like every scene she was in, she was a delight. Mm-hmm. Being the worst possible human being, I mm-hmm. thought her performance was great. Anthony Perkins once again was a delight, even if all he did was talk on the phone throughout the film for the most part. Yeah, I liked the way um, they, they dispersed him with the flashbacks in there. The, sometimes the, the story was very much just cookie cutter, but it, the story was fine at work. It's like it's not a highlight, but I just wanted to mention that right now. Mm-hmm. But like performances again, it's like that's the one thing I have to give for all these three sequels is that there are strong performances by at least one or two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, the... And, and yeah, and Henry Thomas did a pretty good, his performance as, uh, Norman as Bates. young Norman Bates mm-hmm. 
really worked out well too as too yeah and kind of which the, the other piece of trivia i left out was the fact that they had considered before getting vince vaughn for the uh, 96 remake of psycho yeah they had considered getting henry thomas for the role which probably would have been a better idea to be quite honest if you've seen that one but yeah I would agree. I like the performances in, in this one. Um, I like, like I said, the general conceit of uh, the flashbacks and especially his mother when you see how loopy she is and you can understand why he uh, doesn't actually hate her even though he hates what she did to him and, and that sort of thing. I also, th- also, this is a weird highlight to have, but it's mm-hmm. more just like I liked it because of how dumb it was, was uh. the fact that it's like they just blatantly go out there and retcon the last two movies. <laughs> Like saying, no, no, I got released. Uh, I never got released before. I got. It's like none of that stuff ever happened. Yeah, is I can see why because at the end of the third movie, it's, that's too much of a corner you painted yourself into. It's like, oh no, no, no. Uh, your aunt didn't kill your father. His your father suffered from uh, bee stings. Many, many bee stings. Yeah, he died. He was allergic to bees. He died. Yeah, that's that's all it was. There was no. But then in the plot. But in the first movie, I or the second one, I believe it's implied that she killed him. Hmm. Yeah, there's. But I might be I might be conflating that with the Bates Motel TV series because I'm pretty positive in there she had killed him. Yeah, all the sequels have weird relationships with the ones that came before them. Let's put it that way. It's almost like the whole but thing yeah, takes place. The highlight in his, head. Is, is his performances in this movie are good. Mm-hmm. CCH Pounder put on a CCH Pounder uh, performance. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. She's she's always consistent. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, that's the end of Norman Bates' journey. What would you uh, give that one? Um. Hmm. This one I would give the two. This one I would give mm-hmm. the two. Uh, like if 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 two is a three and three is a one, four is a two. It's <laughs> okay. like it's like I didn't like the film. It's it's like I but it's a curiosity to watch. I didn't think of like it's an mm-hmm. overall great good film, mm-hmm. but it was an okay television film, yeah. but not enough for me to say I'll give it a three because I didn't like it as much as or enjoy it as much as uh, Psycho Two. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also keep in mind. That could have been that we just watched five hours of Psycho. Well, it's possible. I I would go with a three in this one. I I I liked it enough. I thought it was pretty good, especially after the third movie, and as a way to kind of find some sort of closure for the character and the whole Psycho thing. And considering this was one of his last roles, I think it was uh, it was pretty well done and a good place to end it. And thank the Lord they did not make a Psycho five, because that would have been too much. And thankfully, they've never made a remake. Oh, wait, they did. <clears throat> oh, my God. Imagine Psycho too much. <laughs> Jeez. The crossover I never knew I wanted. Oh, God. But had to have. That would have that been too much for me. <laughs> oh, God. Would that have been over the top? I think this whole thing has been a bit over the top. We finished off three movies, and I think we're going to call That it... was our Halloween special, and, and as usual, this is basically the... Uh, Cannon Cruiser's podcast Halloween special, but it's really just an, a long uh, JD and Randy adventures of JD and Randy. Yeah, non canonical. I can't remember what it's called. So, the non canonical adventures of JD and Randy. We've been watching too many movies, people. But yeah, that's pretty much all we got to say about those ones. So have yourself a happy Halloween, everybody. Happy, happy Halloween. And we'll Halloween. see you next time for our next episode, which won't be in Halloween. Good yeah, well, which will be on the usual day. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.
Halloween.